Welcome to The Adapter's Advantage, the podcast that shares insider stories about breakthrough moments that lead to success. Get ready for an inspiring conversation about adapting to change from Alego, the all-in-one sales enablement platform built for success in a hybrid world. Let's dive right in. Hi, I'm Mark Magnaca. Welcome back to the next episode of the Adapter's Advantage podcast. Today, my guest is Kent Fitzpatrick. Before I invite Kent into some of the questions that I have for him, I want to share a little bit of his background with you. Kent is an accredited investment fiduciary analyst. You're going to find out more about what that is in in just a few moments. Uh, He's the founder and managing director of Asset Strategy, which is a financial and wealth management consulting firm with offices in Boston, D.C., and Pittsburgh. Asset Strategy is an assemblage of entities and professionals providing financial planning, estate planning, investment management, fiduciary insurance, and real estate consulting. Their motto is helping you create, manage, protect, and distribute wealth. Ken has over 30 years of experience in the business, and in fact, he and I worked together many years ago as as partners, early days in the business. And finally, what I'll tell you that I think you'll find most interesting about Kent is that so many financial advisors focus on one piece of the pie, but they don't really think holistically about the whole piece. What you're gonna hear from Kent is this framework that he has to help think about everything that a client needs as they move through their life. So with that, Kent Fitzpatrick, welcome. Thank you, Mark, appreciate it. So Kent, now that I've set it up, when you meet people for the first time and they see asset strategy and they say, now Kent, what do you do? How do you answer that question? Well, it's interesting. In the introduction, um, you shared our tagline or our, our corporate motto, and we we use that to answer that question. So if you think about helping you create, manage, protect, and distribute wealth, it, it kind of answers that question. I think you know a lot of people will answer it in terms of their profession. Oh, I'm a financial advisor. I'm a teacher. I'm a doctor. And I don't think that answers what they do. Uh, it's what they are or, or what they've been trained to do. So I think what we do are those four pillars. You know, we're helping people create wealth that, that, that don't have it or don't know how to create it. We're helping those manage it that already have wealth but need orchestration with it. Uh, protection, um, you know, from estate planning, financial planning, um, and then distribution. So I've, I've, you know, reached the top of the mount. Now I want to, you know, help society. I want to help my children. I want to help my heirs. How do I do that effectively? So those are really, you know, what we do. Tell us a little bit about how you started your career and and who influenced you on your journey. Yeah, well, I guess my journey is a, 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 that's an easy one because I was one of six kids and my father uh, did retirement planning for teachers. And I always used to use the expression, you know, someone had to follow the old man in, into the into the business. But um, my my beginning was a little bit different because I was an economics major in school, so I was you know fascinated about markets, um, about uh, financial planning. Um, you know, so I kind of took the foundation I saw and grew up with, with, with my dad kind of helping others, but then wanted to expand that to more of a, a holistic, uh, wealth management approach. Well, I can tell you that, um, there's definitely a few things, Kent, that make you unique. Just remind me, uh, what did you study beyond, uh, economics? Was that your only major in school? Yeah. Uh, uh business economics. Yep. Business economics. Okay. So what's interesting is that um, I know that you've at different times in your career, you've been in the property and casualty side of the business. You've been in the financial side of the business. You've been in the fiduciary side, the retirement plan. 
So you've really developed kind of this uh, holistic view of the whole business. So I'm curious to hear about your experience moving from a traditional commission-based financial advisor to an RIA, which you did way ahead of the curve of um, what, what's pretty common today. Yeah, I mean, I think um, what was influential on that was um, early in my career, I got involved in a, in a pension study group. Um, and I really had no place being there. It was a, a friend of my father's was in, in this you know, group that was a, kind of a national group. I kind of flew in there as an early 20-year-old kid and just kind of sat back and was in awe of about, you know, the, the knowledge, the expertise, the experience that this, this group had. Um, that, and I also got involved with the Center for Fiduciary Studies um, early in my career. So um, I think those types of organizations really, you know, shaped my, my thinking um, because they did a lot of, you know, fiduciary consulting. And again, we've used the, the word fiduciary a couple of times. Putting the interest of others first is really what the, uh, the basis is. Um, and I really um, wanted to, to focus on building um, a firm that um, had that at its, its ethos, uh, its core. And uh, so you're right, I've, I've had a lot of different experiences. I've, I've, you know, I've been in multiple facets of this, this industry and I think it's really shaped more of a, a holistic approach that, that I've, I've taken. What caused you to start using video? Where again, you were an early adopter as part of your outbound marketing. Uh, and I know you did it to estate planners and you did it to accountants and, and other professionals. And then what are some of the results that you've experienced? Yeah, well, this, this isn't uh, a, a rehearsed uh, response, but I have to say that um, it was something that, that you did early in your career that, that you know, really changed my thinking and in, in, in view about incorporating video. I think you had probably even pre-Alego had been engaged in some of the marketing and when you were writing your, 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 your books um, to do some communications for a mutual fund company. And I remember watching the, the series of videos that you created and I thought, my gosh, he's, you know, he's really telling a story and I, I, I want to, you know, it was a 12 part or 20 part series and I really couldn't wait till the next one came out. And I remember reaching out to you saying, you know, Mark, how did you do that? I mean, that, that must've cost a fortune. And when you told me, you said, listen, uh, I, I hate to tell you this, but you can buy a green screen on Amazon, a couple of, you know, uh, lights, uh, get a decent camera. And what you were able to produce was amazing. And so I think, you know, you kind of inspired me that, hey, this is a, a, a new and different way of communicating because it's not all about email blast. It's not all about, you know, uh, picking up the, the phone. It's, it's, it's kind of being an educator and an influencer. And I think video um, allows us to communicate in so many different ways. And, and what I, you know, didn't realize is it wasn't, only for professionals where you had to spend tens of thousands of dollars. Um, we, we actually um, used uh, an intern when, when I decided to get into this, you know, at first we were, we were trying it with our 4k, you know, uh, iPhones, and then we realized, well, the, the sound quality wasn't that great. So, you know, it was about making the investment in some basic equipment. And over time we, we, we upgraded it. Um, but then just bringing on summer interns that, were you know, short money to, to bring in, you know, a young man or woman for the summer. And then we eventually evolved that to two or three, you know, now we've got, you know, uh, four or five full-time people in our marketing communications and publishing department um, that evolved because of those early, early stages. Yeah. So what the, you know, the skeptic would hear this and say, okay, that's great. I got a list of 2000 CPAs or estate planning attorneys. And, you know, so you sent this out 
um, what would the normal click-through rate be for an email alone, a text-based email? And what, if anything, changed when you added a video message to it? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. I think if you look at typical, you know, email campaigns um, from some of the big platforms, you know, they'll say if you get a, you know, a 1% re response rate, that's, that's, that's pretty good. Well, you know, what if I could turn that from 1% to 10% or 15%? And I think it's, it's all in what's going to make me, me click. So number one, it has to have made it through the, the spam filters and all the rest of it. Number two, you know, what's the subject line, but what is in the body of that, that content that's going to draw me in? If it's, it's just, um, you know, a, a, a PDF or it's kind of one, one dimensional, that's one thing. But if it's a short video and, and it maybe you know, a tip would be to, to show that, listen, it's only a 30 second video. It's from a trustworthy source. It's on a topic I have interest in. You know, you, you can gain a lot more clicks that you can, you can measure results and you can do kind of A-B testing as well. Um, so this is all the stuff that I think it's, it's the art and the science kind of yep. playing around with it a little bit. So again, we by no means were, were experts in, in any of this, either from the video production side or how do we get our content viewed and, and read and shared. But we were really looking at it as a way of initially sharing information with existing clients. So they, they did rely on us, they did, did know us. So they, you know, the, the walls were down. Um, and then started initially with a small group or network of other professionals that we, we've worked with. Uh, so there was a level of trust factor there. And I think try to expand and grow it uh, from there. So to some extent, it's also helped you build your personal brand with this list of people where they know that you're not going to send them a heavy sales pitch. And they, and they know that what you're sending them is likely a credible, useful message. Correct. Correct. And, and so, you know, the other thing too, it also allows us to do uh, things relatively instantaneously. So if there's a, a Fed report, you know, that, that's coming out, we can get, jump in the studio or do something uh, with, with decent professional quality, um, work in conjunction with any compliance re requirements, um, and then get it out there either on social media or, or direct uh, email campaigns. We had a, 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 a gentleman uh, from one of the groups that we work with who's uh, in their government affairs office came in and did basically a, um, a webinar that we promoted originally with short video vignettes, I like to call them. Um, and we had a fantastic turnout for this, this virtual event. So we're trying to take kind of the physical events, which you know, have been off to the wayside due to COVID, um, but combine those with, with webinars. And then again, thought leadership in, 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 on different, different topics. So Ken, just related to that, um, you know, I know you you have an early adopter, innovator type personality, um, but I also know that, um, with all due respect, some of your colleagues who are you know have grown up in the pension business for a long time, um, getting out in front of the camera uh, is a challenge, <laughs> even in the in the you know this Zoom era. So how how did your team respond when you said, hey, we're, we're going to be using video as part of our culture as an advisory firm? Well, you know, it's, it's funny. Sometimes, you know, uh, you hear the expression, you have a, a face for radio. Um, <laughs> you got to know who, who, who should be in front of the camera or maybe who shouldn't be in front of the camera. So I think, you know, you have to set your ego aside. Um, but I think, you know, the, the, the staff was probably skeptical at first. They're like, oh gosh, here he goes. He's on another tangent or whatnot. But again, it was something we followed through with and I, I had conviction. I was seeing it was working and effective in other, other industries. But again, I didn't want it to be all about me. Uh, so we created, you know, something so that our, our head of our investment committee 
we uh, have a, a segment called the Weekly Market Minute. So, you know, every Monday it's his, you know, show. Uh, and the rule is it has to be two minutes or less. It's kind of the news you can use. It's like reading the, the front page of the Wall Street Journal. You can skim down to the tops of the trees, not dig in, in too far. So I wanted to delegate so that different people were, it wasn't me being the, the, the only voice or headshot, you know, because again, I may not resonate with certain audiences where other, sure. others will. Sure. Now, one question I know will bubble up for many people, they're going to ask, uh, how do you get that? How do you work with compliance to be able to approve a stream of content like what you've just described, which is, you know, a fairly robust content schedule? Yeah, I think that's a great question. I think it was something that we had to um, really embrace and get them to understand. I mean, anyone who's been in the business more than you know a, a few years knows exactly what you can and can't say, whether it's in a written email. You know, you can't use you know words that are going to be flags for the SEC or FINRA. Um, and you, you, there's certain things you're not going to say in a in a visual setting as well. So we're not going to be digging into the specifics of a, you know, a prospectus or, a, a, you know, minutia, it's really communicating more um, uh, large topics. So, so if we're talking about what's going on in the markets, if we're talking about what's going on in, in particular sectors, if we're talking about, you know, subjects about you know, financial planning, social security, estate planning, you know, there's things that compliance isn't going to have a problem with, and especially if we know what taglines we have to have on, on screens or at the end of the screen. Um, so I think it was really something that we just had to um, embrace the, the uh, compliance folks and explain to them that, listen, we know what we're not supposed to do, but we wanna know how can we do this and turn this around relatively quickly and make it easy for you and your team. So we kind of you know, followed a, a pattern with them. That's fantastic. I mean, cause I, I know there's people listening right now. That's the part for them. Uh, just to realize it can be done. It's not easy, but it, it absolutely can be done. And that leads me to one of the things that you're doing that I think would be of great interest here to a number of our advisors, particularly those who have any interest in the uh, retirement plan market. So I, I know that you're helping certain plan sponsors to be able to um, access content for their plan participants, and that you're doing that uh, with certain record keepers who basically have content, and in the past, they have only been able to share that content on, uh, from their website with password and, and all that stuff. And that you're now talking to a number of them around sharing this content in a way that makes it real easy for the plan sponsor, the company that sponsors the 401k, to make great relevant content on their company's 401k, how to use it, how to take a loan, how to do all these different things in short form video rather than old style a traditional text web page. Um, what's your take on on how this thing will evolve relative to the retirement plan world getting up to speed with how people learn in modern learning? Yeah, I mean, I think it, it's it's a partnership, um, and I think it's also um, staying relevant because you know there's a term called disintermediation where you know we the relevance of the advisor I, I don't want swept off to the side. So if it's just the vendor communicating directly with the plan sponsor or the participants. Well, where's where's the value of me and my team in, in that in that sentence in that conversation? So we realize that it doesn't have to be just us that are, are is cre content creating. 
but there's a lot of great content that um, some of the uh, sponsor or the uh, vendors or, or fund sponsors uh, have available, but it's just, they're just not getting down, um, I, I'd say into the weeds, into the, the rank and file of the plan participants that need to know about it. So if, if we wanna sponsor a, um, a, a topic for maximizing social security, well, maybe the 20 and 30 year olds don't really care at this stage, but maybe people in their late 40s, 50s or approaching retirement really want to know about that topic. Well, I don't need to go and rewrite the whole script about, you know, social security, all the rest of it. But if I can be a liaison to, to use video to, to um, pull that the, the content to that specific audience, then that is a partnership because I, I didn't have to, you know, dig into creating all the slides and the handouts. A lot of that's already compliance approved but I, I can be a conduit um, and customize that for, for that plan audience. You know, can we call this the adapter's advantage? Because a big part of what's interesting in people's life is sort of the, the pivots that they make. So can you describe a, a pivot point or a specific moment of learning that actually changed your approach to running your business around your life and, you know, what learner, uh, our listeners might be able to learn from it? Um, yeah, I think for me, it was really more about changing the paradigm from being about me and, and what I was doing with clients to being more focused on building a team and a, a, a firm and a brand and what we were doing as a team and me as one component of a team uh, to, to end clients. And I think the expression, um, uh, you know, we, we focus on super teams, not superstars. Um, we really wanted to take that um, into reality. So I, I think that to me was um, a, a turning point. I think secondly, um, you know, I knew what I knew and I knew what I didn't know. Um, I had hired um, a coach, a consulting firm that did a lot of work in the financial services firm to kind of help me with that thinking and implement the thinking about how do we focus on creating a firm and a firm brand and the components you need for that? And not just, you know, me being uh, a great advisor, it's, well, how do I build a, a team of great advisors that are supported by great support people? So I think that was for me, the, the a, a change in my, my thinking. Well, it's such a critical thing, thought as well, because if you think about, again, putting the client first, what are they concerned about? They're concerned about um, someone being able to help effectuate the plan over time. And if it's dependent upon one person, any one person, you know, something could happen. And so having a team completely changes that dynamic. So that, that, that's a big one, I think, not just in the financial advisory business, but across, across the uh, larger groups that we work with as well. Um, it, it just leads me to one other thought. You know, you, you have, in effect, you, you mentioned your publishing company and you've got the fiduciary and you've got, You've got five companies going. How do you manage your time um, and organize your life in, in such a way that that both their businesses are successful and that you're able to enjoy your life? Um, I think it again. It, it probably goes back to that that theme of, about building a team. Um, I I couldn't do it without having great partners, great lieutenants um, that take ownership and pride in. Um, different dimensions of the, of, of the business. I mean, I, I'd even say that about my, my spouse. I mean, you know, she allows me the freedom to focus on the, the business and, and keep our, our, our family intact too. So I think it's, it's really about um, those partnerships, um, in, internal partnerships. I also think it's, it's about investing um, in yourself, in your people, in your team, um, you know, things like 
technology, um, things like you know investing back in people to make them more engaged, more more um, learned in their space. Uh, so if they want to take a continuing education class, um, so I think it's it's really about um, that structure that allows me to be able to do you know you know multitask as as my wife likes to say. Yep. No, you're that people say you can't multitask, but you're proof that yes, you can. <laughs> uh, so, Ken, as we wrap up, I, I you know, based on your experience uh, now over 30 years, um, and you think about kind of this this uh, pandemic time that we're still in, um, what do you see as the most important skill that you think people should learn or improve today? I think my response to that would be um, embrace change. Um, and the reason I say that is if you resist change, um, you may not be relevant. Um, where if you embrace change and you can adapt to change, you know, you can, you can stay relevant. Um, you know, look, look at, uh, you know, the impact that technology has had in every facet of our lives. You know, if someone says, well, I'm just, I'm not gonna, you know, get a, smartphone, I'm going to use the flip phone. Well, that's that's a, a decision you're going to make. But I think if you actually stayed on top of technology as an example, you know, that that is changed. It's constantly <laughs> changing. I, you know, it, it was hard for, you know, uh, folks in our office to, to let go of their, you know, iPhone 8 to get the iPhone 12. And I said, you know, you've got to understand, you know, there's, there's certain things that you're missing out on. Um, so I think my response would be um, em embracing change. So Ken, as we as we wrap up, if we have listeners who are interested either in learning more about asset strategy advisors or who want to know or have a question on kind of what you've done and how you've done it, what's the best way for them to connect with you? Yeah, certainly. I mean, uh, you know, visit our website, assetstrategy.com. Uh, we have a very active social media, so follow us on on, on social media. Um, you know, I, I'm old school, so you can certainly uh, drop me an email or even pick up a phone. We still, we still take phone calls too. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that note, it's, uh, it's, it's great to know that uh, somebody's still answering the phone. Cause that's still my, it's the coin of the realm for me. And we're, we're about the same vintage. So that's probably why it, why it still works. Kent, thanks so much for this conversation. I really appreciate hearing your ideas and insights about how you've helped to transform your business and, and how you've continued to adapt uh, post pandemic. Well, thank you for having us and thank you for the great work you guys are doing at Allego too. Thank you. You've been listening to The Adapter's Advantage, a podcast from Allego. Stay connected by subscribing to the show at allego.com forward slash podcast, leaving us a rating and comment and sharing episodes you love. That helps us bring you more conversations about breakthrough moments that lead to success. Thanks for listening. Until next time, remember that one new idea can change your life.